Today on The Matt Wall Show, why are our cities being consumed by chaos? What's really driving this? That's the million-dollar question. It isn't a fight for racial justice or anything close to that. These are spoiled brats who've never contributed anything of value to society, lashing out against normal, hardworking Americans. That's my diagnosis. We'll talk more about it. Also, five headlines, including crazed mobs swarming Rand Paul and other Republicans as they leave the um, Republican convention in D.C. last night. And we'll discuss the most powerful moment of the entire convention and what we can learn from it. All of that coming up. Uh, much more as well. It's a packed show as always. One thing about living in, in, in the dying days of a civilization is there's always a lot of news. That's the one positive. So let's start uh, Let's start here. Last night, as the RNC convention concluded, rioters and protesters again descended on D.C. and uh, they comported themselves about how you might expect them to. Here's a, here's a quick taste of the action. Yes, yes, that was a guy flipping off, uh, running up to and flipping off a small elderly woman as she tried to cross the street. Some of us were raised to help old ladies cross the street. Leftist protesters were raised to flip them bird and scream in their faces as they cross the street. Just a different approach, I suppose. Who am I to judge? Of course, in reality, um, these people weren't raised at all. That's the problem. Certainly not by fathers or any other steady male role model. These are spoiled, rotten brats. Uh, more than anything else. That's what they are. Now, similar scenes unfolded in D.C. overnight, including a, a gang of rioters swarming Rand Paul as he left the venue. So you notice how there how the, the senator stops in the middle of the mayhem to make sure that the police officer is okay. That's because Senator Paul, whatever you think of his policies and politics, is an honorable and decent man. This provides a stark contrast with the crowd surrounding him where there is no honor or decency to be found anywhere at all. So the question again is raised, the enduring question, what the hell is going on? Why is this happening? Why are these lunatics acting like this all the time, everywhere? And that question is one that um, and has, there are many answers to it, and, and one that anthropologists and historians of the future will be studying and, deba and debating as they sift through the ashes of our civilization, trying to figure out what destroyed it. What I'd like to do now is suggest one answer, or at least part of an answer, at least. And um, I still think that the most revealing thing we've seen of all the video, of all the footage of these uh, people destroying and burning and assaulting and killing, the thing that best captured it all was the BLM activist in Chicago justifying the looting by calling it reparations. But there was something else she said that got even closer 
to the heart of the issue, I think. I've played this clip probably three times on the show already. I'm going to play it again. I'm going to keep playing it because I think it's that important. Let's, let's play it one more time here. I don't care if somebody decides to loot a Gucci or a Macy's or a Nike because that makes sure that that person eats. That makes sure that that person has clothes. That makes sure that that person can make some kind of money because this city obviously doesn't care about them. Not only that, that's reparations. That is reparations. Anything they want to take, take it because these businesses have insurance. They're going to get their money back. My people aren't getting anything. These businesses have insurance, she assures us. We're entitled to take what we want. These businesses will be fine. Now, let's check in with a business owner, an actual business owner, to see how they feel about it. This is from the rioters, the riots in Kenosha. Uh, first, you'll see an older, older woman, woman surveying the wreckage after the business that she ran with her husband for decades was looted and burned. And then you see her son talking about how devastating this is to his family. Watch. It's not justifiable. We have insurance, yeah, but the insurance isn't there so somebody can destroy and your things and say, oh, well, there's insurance. Um, you, you pay for that. You know, we pay for insurance. That causes insurance rates to go up. It's basically theft. They just stole from us. Whoever did this stole from us. And that raises the cost of everything. Cost of living goes up because of that. Cost of insurance goes up when, when insurance claims have to be made. And I don't think it's justified for anyone to ruin anybody else's property. It's against the law. They'll be put in prison and or they'll have to be paid, made to pay back what they've destroyed. Letting these people get away with this and holding the cops' hands where they can't do nothing, that's wrong. The and cops need to be able to do their job. And, and you're not doing this isn't going to bring, isn't going to help your cause. In other words, no, you can't just use your insurance and make everything go back to normal. The devastation is real. It is felt. And these are people who are innocent, who did nothing wrong, and were made victims. The man you saw there and his parents, these are just one of the thousands and thousands and thousands of innocent victims over the past three months. Business owners, homeowners, everything in their lives taken from them. Sometimes life itself taken from them, um, as was the case with David Dorn. We'll talk about that later on. But the reason I play that clip of the BLM woman in Chicago talking about insurance, this is a very common theme. Rioters and looters across the country have been using this line for weeks. Oh, they have insurance. Uh, these people have no idea how insurance works or what it even is. The reason I play it is that it shows that the, the, that the rioters, they simply don't understand why business owners would be distressed to see their whole life's work go up in flames. They cannot wrap their puny minds around it. And, uh, the rioters, the reason is that the rioters have never done anything of value in their entire lives. They cannot relate to the feelings of productive humans. These are societal leeches, spoiled brats who have the luxury to spend their nights burning and destroying and can enjoy it because they've never experienced the real earned joy of building something of value or doing anything of value at all, period. We have to understand, you know, this is what we're dealing with here. This is an, an uprising of the non-contributors 
against the contributors, of the unproductive against the productive, of the brats against the adults, the real adults, of the entitled do-nothings against the doers. It is a class war, but it is not a war between poor and rich. That's another thing we have to emphasize again and again and again. The people who are losing everything, the people who have been destroyed by all of this, uh, these, for the most part, are not rich people. They're not even upper class or well-off or whatever term you want to use. These are mostly blue-collar, working-class, average, ordinary Americans. Going back to Kenosha for a second, here's a man, working man, trying his hardest to explain to the rioters that they're destroying the lives of innocent, hardworking people, and there's no reason to do it. But he may as well be talking to a wall, because it just doesn't register. Watch. That's the gonna what y'all don't f***ing understand is that people well, have their lives in these businesses. They just can't comprehend what he's trying to say. What? Burning down a furniture store won't help spread racial awareness and talent? Huh? I, what are you talking about? These are people utterly disconnected from reality, and it's a great privilege to be disconnected from reality. Most of us cannot afford to be. That is why this is not poor versus rich. Many of the rioters are more privileged than their victims. And we've been setting the stage for this for a long time. A culture and system of entitlement, which coddles and enables and insulates and breeds, ultimately, a generation of bored, disaffected, feckless, disengaged brats, morally misshapen from bad parenting or near total lack of parenting, and their minds rotted from lives spent ingesting 10 hours of media a day. Why do they riot then? Is it anger? Is it hunger for justice? Is it a fight for freedom? No, it's obviously none of those. There is zero connection between what we see in the streets and racial justice. They do it because it's something to do, and because they have aggression and have no idea where else to direct it, and they've gotten bored with video games, and because they're envious, envious of people who, have, who live real, productive lives, and because they can. Nobody's stopping them. Nobody's ever stopped them from doing anything. And so they never learn boundaries or limitations or how to be decent, civilized humans. What can we do about it now? Well, in the, in the immediate, in the short term, Overwhelming police response, overpower, subdue them, lock many of them in prison for years, punish them severely. But the long-term answers are much more difficult. I mean, this, after all, is the culmination of generations of moral malformation. It will take generations to undo it. So a lot of work lies before us. But I would say that now is as good, as time, good a time as any to begin doing it. Let's go to our five headlines. Well, as we'll talk about here in a second, the RNC has come to a close, and so begins the final phase of the 2020 election. Presidential hopeful Joe Biden head-to-head against incumbent Donald Trump. Um, tonight, we're going to completely recap the RNC for you on Daily Wire backstage at 7 p.m. Eastern. 
4 p.m. Pacific. We're going to review the highlights of the conference, compare the RNC's performance to the DNC from last week, as well as the insane reactions from the left, um, as we just saw some of that. And All Access members, you can join us afterwards for another All Access Live, where we'll discuss it all with you personally in the comments and the live stream. Um, only All Access members get to join the All Access Live session, so go become an All Access member right now. Go to dailywire.com slash Walsh right now to get 20% off All Access. Dailywire.com slash Walsh, 20% off All Access. Okay. So, uh, final night of the RNC convention. The most powerful speech, hands down, out, without question, my opinion, Anne Dorn, wife of David Dorn, retired captain, murdered during the riots. I'll have more to say about that in the next segment. For now, um, you know, you could tell the convention was overall a success because of what Democrats are latching on to, what they've chosen to focus on. You know, um, they've been on social media and on TV trying to fire people up over the fact that the RNC allegedly violated the Hatch Act by involving the White House in their in their convention. Um, yes, because while, while crazed mobs are burning down our cities, they want us to worry about the Hatch Act. Meanwhile, nobody knows what the Hatch Act is. I got news for you. And nobody cares. If you explain it to them, they still don't care. Um, and I don't think anyone is going to the polls on Election Day super passionate about the Hatch Act. I don't think anyone's going, the Hatch Act, Act must be protected. The Hatch Act. Um no, I don't. I don't see that. It just doesn't. It doesn't quite work for a rallying cry. And then uh, also, of course, we're told that the crowd at Trump's speech violated social distancing. Which, again, give me a break. You don't get to worry about that or point that out while you cheer on these enormous writhing collections of screaming lunatics walking around the city, spraying their disease-ridden spittle all over everybody. Okay, you can't. It just so that that doesn't stick either. It doesn't work. Um, as for Trump's actual speech, well, it was 876 minutes long. He, I think at one point he actually read the entire script of Gone with the Wind as an attack on political correctness, which I thought that was an interesting choice. So it was long. Um, the content was, uh, you know, it was pretty good. I don't think anyone remembered it 30 seconds after it was over. Nobody remembers anything 30 seconds after it's over. The sun could explode today, and by tomorrow, we'll all be bored with the topic. We'll also be dead, mercifully but also bored. Um, so that was the RNC convention. Let's move on. Uh, number two, the squad's Ringo, Ayanna Presley, is, is at it again. I regret to inform you. Uh, this is what she tweeted. A 17-year-old white supremacist domestic terrorist drove across state lines armed with an AR-15. He shot and killed two people who had assembled to affirm the value, dignity, and worth of black lives. Fix your damn headlines. Okay. Nothing in that tweet is accurate. Let's just be clear about that. It is one falsehood after another stacked on top of each other. If she had a dime for every falsehood in that tweet, she would have, well, at least 20 or 30 cents, which incidentally should be the yearly salary of members of Congress, in my opinion. In any case, there is absolutely no evidence whatsoever at all, anywhere, that Kyle Rittenhouse is a white supremacist. No evidence of it. No reason to claim it other than you're just a lying hack. Um, in fact, there is positive evidence against the assertion uh, that, that he's a white supremacist based on the videos of him earlier in the night where he's talking about the reason why he's there. He never says anything about race at all. He just says he's there to protect private property. So this is a lie straight up. And uh, I hope to God that Kyle, um, it, when he beats, hopefully if he, if he beats this charge, if he's innocent of the charge and beats it, um, that he can then go and, and sue this lying hack into bankruptcy because this is just 
you're a, you're a member of, of Congress, and this is a 17-year-old, and you're out there with no basis at all calling him a white supremacist. If that doesn't count as slander, um, then uh, I don't know what possibly could. Okay, now, um, oh, and then also, of course, so what are the other falsehoods in the tweet? Let's not just cover, let's not cover just the one. The people who were shot, there is no evidence that any of them were assembled to affirm the dignity of black life. Um, There's no evidence really that any of the protesters give the slightest damn about that much less the protesters, quote-unquote, who were chasing Kyle Rittenhouse and trying to harm or kill him. One of them did have a gun, after all. Now, as I've been saying all, all week, all of the evidence we currently have and have seen points to Kyle Rittenhouse shooting in self-defense after attending the protest to defend property from rioters and insurrectionists and being attacked by them. That's all the evidence we've seen. If, if there's some other piece of evidence out there, I haven't seen it. I don't think anybody else has, at least not anybody in the public. If Ayanna Presley has some other piece of evidence she's withholding, she should produce it. But I don't think she does. I think she's just a liar and a disgrace to the country, a Democrat, in other words. But nobody has produced any evidence so far publicly um, that he did anything but defend himself from people who are attacking him. Of course, that doesn't stop people from just going around and saying that he's a murderer anyway. Okay, um, number three, Wisconsin Lieutenant Governor Mandela Barnes has spoken out about the Jacob Blake shooting. And uh, here's what he has to say. Listen. But as the governor said, uh, DCI's investigation is ongoing, but we don't need an investigation to know that Blake's shooting falls in a long and painful pattern of violence. And this is a pattern of violence that happens uh, against black lives too often across this country. And as you all know, we saw even more gun violence unfold on Tuesday night when two protesters were tragically killed and one other injured by gunshots. Someone that wasn't looking to keep peace, an outside agitator, someone who came in from Illinois with a long rifle, was able to just walk the streets freely like that's something normal that we should just come to expect. Let me tell you, that's not anything normal. We shouldn't come to expect it. We shouldn't accept it. Because what do you think is going to happen if you have an agitated man with a long gun walking down the streets thinking that he's some sort of peacekeeper? And that kind of behavior shouldn't be enabled either. And we have to deal with the devastating results of that. Uh, We saw that happen in Louisville already. We saw it happen in Charlottesville. Somebody ran their vehicle into protesters and Heather Heyer was killed. Now, Kenosha, Wisconsin is also home to that sort of tragic scene. We have to not ever want to see that happen again. We don't need an investigation, he says. We don't need an investigation. Uh, We don't need an investigation to know that Blake's shooting falls in a long and painful pattern of violence. And this is a pattern of violence that happens against black lives too often across the country. Um, that's, that's what he says there. So we don't need an investigation. No, you don't, do you, Mandela? Uh, you, you really don't. I mean, you, you, you don't, you don't require that as a Democrat. Truly, we don't need an investigation should be the 2020 Democrat campaign motto. It should also be the epitaph on the, this, our civilization's gravestone. Of course, in reality, yes, you really do need an investigation. And uh, you know, we we can keep saying it over and over again. I know it just like it, it it doesn't even matter because the people saying this don't care about the truth. But um, connecting this 
So there, there are two levels of, of, again, we got two levels of falsehood. Uh, one is to just flat out say that this was a murder by the police officers. When once again, all the evidence that we really have available, which, which would seem to indicate that uh, the opposite is the case, that Jacob Blake was violently resisting arrest, had a weapon in his possession, apparently either in the car that he was reaching into or he already was holding it, one of those two. Um, he was you know, wanted domestic abuser there on the scene, uh, apparently terrorizing his girlfriend, stole her keys, you know, all of that. I mean, all the information coming out is lining up in, in the corner of the police officer, vindicating the police officer. Uh, so there's that. But then also, whatever you think about the shooting, there's just no reason at all to think that this has anything to do with race. Uh, of course, we, we automatically connect it to that, but there's nothing. No, no one has presented a shred of evidence for that. Yet um, the lieutenant governor is, is ready to say, but he, he doesn't matter. He does the investigation, racist, murderer, first degree murder, hate crime, federal prison. He's ready to say that right away. Okay. Uh, speaking of hate crimes, here's a real one. Number four, a story you aren't going to hear on the national news and uh, haven't heard. But the report is from Nine News, the NBC affiliate in Aurora, Colorado. It says Aurora police arrested a man suspected of stabbing another man after yelling Black Lives Matter Tuesday evening near uh, East Alameda Avenue and South Sable Boulevard. Steve Sinclair, 30, now faces potential first-degree murder and hate crime charge uh, charges. Documents show um, an arrest affidavit says Sinclair uses a knife to stab 29-year-old Michael Connor, who was transported to the hospital for injuries and a collapsed lung. So... It says first-degree murder, I assume attempted murder, because I don't think, fortunately, his victim survived, it looks like. Connor, a white male, told police at the hospital that Sinclair, a black male, shot at Black Lives Matter prior to stabbing him, according to the report. It's unclear from the report what may have led up to the incident, but police say that uh, witnesses saw Sinclair walk up to Connor and said, I'm going to kill you and your dog. One witness said Connor tried to run away and defended himself with a stick. Um... And then uh, officers on the scene showed up. One officer wrote that Sinclair had his hands up when the officers came and said, I stabbed him. I'm a psychopath. Accurate assessment, it seems. Um, And uh, now he's arrested and they're looking at, right, attempted first degree murder, attempted first degree murder and uh, bias motivated crime causing bodily injury. Now, it goes without saying. I mean, we don't even need to say it at this point, but obviously, if this was a black man uh, being stabbed by a white guy shouting white power or whatever, uh, this would be news everywhere. CNN would be covering it. It would be the only thing we talked about for the next five or six days. So we, 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 all, we all know that. Now, one, one uh, way that I think people are going to try to mitigate this is, is by saying, well, this is just a crazy guy. You know, he says, I stabbed him. I'm a psychopath. Right, so this is just a this is just an an insane person, and uh, it's got nothing to do with Black Lives Matter or hate crime or whatever. And the thing is, as I have said many times, in I in an ideal scenario, we wouldn't have the hate crime designation at all, precisely for this reason, because it's it's okay. He stabbed the guy; he's an innocent guy. Just he, he leaps out and stabs him, tries to kill him. That's attempted first degree murder. I, does it really even matter? You know. Uh, in a vacuum, um, considered on its own, without does it really even matter if it motivated by hate or motivated by 
he just felt like stabbing someone. Was, who cares? Either way, he tried to stab. It should be the exact same penalty. When you try to get inside someone's head and heart and figure out what emotions led them to this, it just seems like an absurd sort of uh, thing to even attempt in the first place. But since we have the hate crime, we shouldn't have it. But since we do, since we have this category, then it has to, you have to try to apply it equally. And obviously, this falls right into the hate crime category. But in any case, uh, he's a crazy guy. Maybe he was. Okay, well, see, what do you think's going to happen if you've got crazy people out there and you're telling them all of these wild, fantastical stories about systemic racism and how, you know, cops and white people are out just hunting black people, gunning them down in the street. It's false. It's not true. What do you think is going to happen when you tell a lie like that to a violent, crazy person? As we've seen, there are a lot of people who are not clinically insane, and we see how they react to it. So this, if this was a crazy guy, um, by no means is Black Lives Matter absolved. In fact, they're, they're, they are implicated even more for driving, um, for, for helping to motivate and drive this. Okay, five from WRAL in North Carolina. It says, a man was driving his Tesla in autopilot mode early Wednesday when he nearly missed hitting a Nash County deputy standing outside his cruiser. Uh, Dave Devander Goley, a doctor, was in, was in the Tesla watching a movie on his cell phone while his car drove itself. The Tesla, apparently not, though, because the Tesla collided with the deputy's car first, which then pushed into the state highway patrol car from the M- impact. Um, fortunately, it seems like nobody was uh, seriously hurt. Goalie works at Halifax Regional Medical Center, was driving back to Raleigh when the accident occurred. He was charged with a, mo- with a move-over violation and viewing a television device while driving. I had no idea that was against the law. I'll, I'll keep that in mind for the future. The Tesla is marketed as having full self-driving capabilities and is created using artificial intelligence technology. Um, but here's here's the part. This is what we get to. This 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 is the this is the headline. Tesla's website says that autopilot still requires attention from the driver. The website says current autopilot features uh, require active driver supervision and do not make the vehicle autonomous. So what the hell is the point of that then? It's autopilot, but I still have to sit there and watch what's happening. Literally, the only point of autopilot is so that you can watch YouTube while driving. I don't see any other reason to have it. And if you can't do that, then it's worthless. I could invent my own autopilot. I just put a cinder block on the on the gas pedal, and it'll just go forward by itself. Well, I mean, I still have to be there to, to drive it, apparently. That's, oh, look at the technology. Why does it seem like all the futuristic technology, this is my point, all this futuristic technology that we have never seems to live up to the hype? You hear, you know, self-driving car. And it turns out you still you still need to drive it, so it's not self-driving. You hear there's a new robot, and you see a video. It's like, oh, there's, a, there's a, some Honda or whatever unveiled a new robot, and you're really excited about it. And then you you turn on the video, and it's just a hunk of metal that waddles around and bangs into walls. You hear they're launching someone into space, and you think, oh, maybe they're going to Pluto. No, they're just going to the to the space station, which is five or six feet in the air, according to science. Uh, nothing ever lives up to the hype. And of course, as I say that, while I sit here at my desk, there is the internet, which grants me access to the accumulated knowledge of mankind and can instantly give me any information I want. But who cares about that? Can't even shoot laser beams or anything. 
Um, let's do a bonus story. I did want to play this for you because uh, I thought this was this was an important, important political story. A man in blackface attended the D.C. protests last night for unclear reasons, but um, it uh, didn't go well for him, surprisingly. Watch. You don't cop that at all. That, all I could say is that the man who assaulted Governor Northam must face severe consequences. We cannot attack our elected leaders like that. That was the, the Northam joke. I had to throw it in there. All right, let's get to our daily cancellation. Okay, I don't have a daily cancellation today. If you'll forgive me, I did lie just there. Uh, the cancellation is canceled just for today. And, and uh, I am no doubt canceled for canceling it. I understand that. But the reason is that I want to carve out some time for some positive recognition for a change of someone who really deserves it. And... Um, and there's a larger point I want to make as well. But we'll start with, as mentioned before, Ann Dorn, the wife of Captain David Dorn, who was the retired police captain gunned down by rioters. The entire speech that she gave at the RNC convention last night is five minutes. Well worth your time to watch. I would highly recommend that you go to YouTube or Twitter or wherever and find the video and watch the whole thing. I can't play the whole thing here, of course, but uh, here's a quick piece of it. After I'd gone to bed, David received a call from Lee's Alarm Company. The front door of the pawn shop had been breached. This time he didn't wake me up to tell me. He probably knew I would have tried to stop him or insist on going with him. As I slept, looters were ransacking the shop. They shot and killed David in cold blood and then live streamed his execution and his last moments on earth. David's grandson was watching the video on Facebook in real time, not realizing he was watching his own grandfather dying on the sidewalk. I learned of all this around 4 a.m. when our doorbell rang. The chief of police was standing outside. I wondered why Dave had not answered the door. It wasn't uncommon for him to be up watching TV at this time. I called out to him several times. There was no reply. He just wasn't there. I let in the chief, and fighting back tears, he uttered the words every officer's spouse dreads. I relive that horror in my mind every single day. So that's powerful, gut-wrenching, horrific. Also inspiring, inspiring because of the courage it took for her to stand there and tell that story. If you can only imagine, you know, uh, having to tell that story about your spouse and inspiring because of the courage and decency of her husband. Now, before Anne recounts the murder itself, she explains that her husband, David, you know, was the kind of guy who made friends everywhere he went. He befriended years ago a child whose family had been murdered. And eventually the child named Lee grew up, uh, opened a, a pawn shop, and he asked David to help 
uh, him with security for the pawn shop. And this is something that David did just to help a friend. He would get up in the middle of the night, go check on things whenever the alarm went off. Um, and really think about that. It seems like a small thing perhaps, but think about doing this, being on call as security when you're retired, even at going out in the middle of the night, just out of the kindness of your heart as a gesture of friendship. You really know everything you need to know about David Dorn based solely on that one detail of his life. This is a thoroughly decent man. His death was an outrage, a tragedy, an injustice. Yes, an in, it is also an injustice committed, committed first by the piece of trash who pulled the trigger, but also by the state and local elected officials who refused to do their job and maintain law and order. His blood is on their hands too, without a doubt. But here's the startling fact. A great many people in this country do not really feel outraged by David Dorn's death. They don't consider it an injustice worthy of protest or even moderate attention. It's not an exaggeration to say that the only deaths that enrage some people in this country are the deaths of violent criminals who resist arrest. It's difficult to fathom such a mentality if you're a, a, a mentally healthy person, but that is the mentality of many people. And there are consequences to that. As humans, we become what we aspire to. We emulate our heroes. We follow in the footsteps of our leaders. We are inspired and motivated by our martyrs, whichever martyrs we choose to raise up in honor, and every culture has martyrs. So what happens to our society then when we tear down the statues of our historical heroes and we choose to ignore modern-day heroes and martyrs like David Dorn, and instead we choose to honor men like George Floyd and Jacob Blake? Floyd was a, a violent criminal and drug addict who forced his way into a woman's home, put a gun to her stomach. Jacob Blake was an accused domestic and sexual abuser, apparently terrorizing his girlfriend when the cops arrived. These are the men we elevate? Well, one thing is for sure, we could say absolutely. The Me Too era is officially over then. It's been over for a while. Now it's officially over. We cannot still be in the Me Too era while making martyrs out of violent abusers of women. Now, it's true that just because someone was a bad guy that doesn't automatically make their death or injury at the hands of police justified, the justification or lack of justification for that comes from their behavior and choices in the moment when police try to arrest them. So what do they do then? That's what matters. And whatever else you think about the, these cases, there's no doubt that both Floyd and Blake made monumentally horrible choices in those moments. But if you think someone's death was wrong or unjust, you can make the case for that without making martyrs and heroes out of them, without acting as though whatever happened to them is, is one of the great tragedies of American history, without explicitly or implicitly elevating them over men like David Dorn. It's one thing to say, you know, I think the police did the wrong thing in this case. It's another thing to paint a mural of a career criminal and a violent abuser or go around claiming that he was a family man and pillar of the community. When, when you take the latter route, you turn them into role models. And that matters. That really has an impact. That does something. And it isn't good. This is not something that we do in a vacuum. There are, there are consequences here. When you walk around the city and you see murals of, of George Floyd, again, a, a, a violent criminal, not a good man, by any reasonable definition, that is honoring him. That is honoring. That is not speaking out against an, in, a supposed injustice or simply protesting something that the police did. That is honoring the man. And when we honor men like that, what happens? You get a lot more men like that. And a lot fewer men like David Dorn. 
those are the consequences. But um, that's why I would recommend that you watch that, and uh, and you know as much as as much as possible, to, if we can focus on the uh, focus on, you know, I think we need to elevate positive examples as much as we can to counterbalance all of this craziness. So we'll leave it there uh, for today. Thanks for watching, everybody. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend. Godspeed. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review. Tell your friends to subscribe as well. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, Michael Knowles Show, and The Andrew Clavin Show. Thanks for listening. The Matt Wall Show is produced by Sean Hampton, executive producer Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producers are Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Our technical producer is Austin Stevens, edited by Danny D'Amico, and our audio is mixed by Robin Fenderson. The Matt Wall Show is a Daily Wire production, copyright Daily Wire 2020. If you prefer facts over feelings, aren't offended by the brutal truth, and you can still laugh at the insanity filling our national news cycle, well, tune in to The Ben Shapiro Show. We'll get a whole lot of that and much more. See you there. Mm-hmm.